Good morning. Thank you. Go ahead and stand with us. Let's sing about the day he saved our soul. Let's start this morning. can be seated. Good morning, Kavanaugh. How's everyone doing? Thank you for being here this morning uh, on the Lord's Day, celebrating our Savior, the one who has saved our soul. And, I, and again, I can think back to the moment when it happened. And from that moment, 
Life's been a little crazy at times, but he's been faithful every single moment since. And, I, and, I'm, and we lift him up and we celebrate him today here as a church family. Can I get an amen for, for that? Amen. So it is good to see you this morning. Again, we are so thankful that you're here, and we believe that God is going to do some amazing things today. If you're a first-time guest, uh, in the chair back in front of you, there's a little Connect card. And what we want you to do is uh, fill that out for us. And then right after service, out these back doors, there's a Connect station. Um, we would love for you to take that card and put it, uh, bring it to us, and we'll exchange it for a Chick-fil-A gift card and a coffee mug and, and some other things. But we want to share with you about our church, what's going on. we got a lot coming, going on this upcoming fall with C groups and many other things. We want to make sure that you're plugged in, you, you, you know what's going on and, and how we can get to know your family better, um, bring you part of our fellowship here. So please do that. We would love to connect. And those online, thank you so much for tuning in today. We're so that, glad that you're here as well. All of our college students and people who are traveling, uh, we ask God's blessing on your life and that this service is just as impactful for you as it is for us here in the room. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to uh, ask for God's blessing and anointing on our services today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing our church family back together, God. We love this place that you have given us, God. We love the community that we have with each other. And Lord, we pray that our relationships continue to flourish and grow here in this place because that's exactly what you want us to be for each other. So Lord, as the word is preached today, um, help our relationship with you to increase. We want to be able to see you work and 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 flow and move in ways that we've never experienced before, God. Open our eyes to, to through the preaching of your word, and as Brother Will brings the message, speak through him boldly and give him the strength and the courage to, get, to present everything that you have given him this past week. We love you, God. We love you, and we want to continue to worship you this morning. Have our complete focus and all of our attention. We love you in your name. Amen. Now, before you sit down and before we continue to worship, Greet those around you this morning, wave hello, that kind of thing, and then we'll get right back into worship.
Thank you for your presence in this room. We thank you for your presence in our lives. 
Lord, help us to learn to cast our care on you. But we know that you do care for us. Continue to move in this place. Help our hearts to be open and attentive to your word. Remove distractions. Help us to give you our undivided attention and just declare together in unity that we do need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh. Good to see you today. Give the praise team a big hand. Man, they did a phenomenal job. As always, glad that you're here. Uh, we had a great service at 9 o'clock. I expect this one to be a little bit better, though. Okay. All right, because you're here. I, I don't know about you, but I love good praise and worship music, don't you? And we've had our share this morning. Great job, praise team. I also love good sermons. Man, I, I love to hear some good preaching. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. Sometimes our opinion of what a good sermon is differs. What I might think is good preaching, you may think is bad preaching. You know, I mean, that's just, it comes down to your own opinion, Dan, whether you think it's a good sermon or a bad sermon. I love to hear good sermons, though. I just wish I could preach more of them. Huh? I honestly do. To me, a good sermon is this, taking what God said and applying it to real life today. Because my mic just went off. Isn't that crazy? That's those harvest time people over there messing with us. That's what, that's what it is. But I love to hear a great sermon. Now, sometimes you can have a great sermon that, that really exegetes a passage of Scripture and does the text well, but there's no response. People don't respond to it. On the other hand, you can have a pretty sorry sermon sometimes, and, and everybody comes to the altar and prays, you know? No rhyme or reason. But it's awesome when there is a great exposition of Scripture and a wonderful response to it as well. That, I believe, is, is good preaching, a good sermon, and a good response. It doesn't happen all the time, but I cherish those moments when it does happen. And apparently it happened in a church in Connecticut years ago, right before the American Revolution. The preacher was a guy by the name of Reverend Jonathan Edwards, who one morning preached a sermon that he entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Have you ever heard that sermon? Have you heard of it? world-famous sermon. It is reported that as he delivered his message, he simply read his notes. He, he didn't even have eye contact with the congregation. He was just reading his sermon in a very calm voice, but something strange started happening to his listeners. Those who were there said people began writhing under conviction and weeping in repentance. And that worship service that day in Connecticut sparked one of the greatest revivals that our world has ever seen. It's been tagged the Great Awakening. 
Edward's message is summed up in these few simple words. These are words that he spoke. He preached that day. He said this, Those without Christ are hanging by a slender thread over the fire of divine wrath. Now that'll kind of get you going right there, won't it? Well, can I tell you something? Today, all the world, our world is hanging by a slender thread. And at any moment, something, something could snap. I don't know what it might be. It could be a global military conflict. When Angie and I were over in Israel, one of the things that we noticed very quickly is it is a very hostile environment. You have Muslims and Jews and Christians living in the same region, and and they're all competing over this one little tiny piece of real estate. And you realize very quickly that just the lightest thing, just the wrong statement made to the wrong person at the wrong time could ignite World War III. One day we went to the the holy city, Jerusalem, and to go up on that Temple Mount, you have to go through security, and they are very thorough when you go through security. It took us forever for our small group to get through security, and I I was noticing at the same time there were three other people going through security. Two young men, maybe in their mid to late 20s, they were sharp looking guys, very well dressed, and a very beautiful young Israeli girl. And they they were really giving them a hard time as they went through security. And and after we all got through security, our group was was meeting over here. We were about to embark on the holy temple area and look around that morning at the holy site. Of course, the the temple is long gone. And today, there's a Muslim dome mosque there that is very beautiful, but it's owned and operated by the Muslims. And I got to noticing over in my peripheral vision these these three young people. Before they were allowed to go out on the Temple Mount, military police surrounded them. Four well-armed military police escorted them on the Temple grounds. And, And we noticed them two or three different times throughout the morning. And finally, somebody in our group asked our tour guide, what's up with that little group? And so she huddled us together so that we could all hear as she spoke quietly, and she said, well, they are Jewish zealots. They belong to a group who want to take over that mosque. They want to reclaim the ground that they believe belongs to Israel, and they will do it by military force. And we know everyone in that group, the the police here know them. And when anyone from that group comes to this holy site, they are escorted by military police because they are afraid that they will say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing that will ignite a conflict between the Jews and the Muslim, and it could start World War III. And I realize that's the world they live in. At any moment, something could happen. But you know what? That is the world you and I live in. One military export reported, the world is quickly reaching a point of no return. There are approximately 13,080 known nuclear warheads scattered around the world. And if you look at the countries who own some of these warheads, you're thinking, why hasn't World War III already broke out? 
including hundreds of so-called suicide bombs, about 100 of which Russia has reportedly lost. How do you lose something like that? My goodness. National Defense Magazine ran a chilling article not long ago entitled Seven Deadly Myths About Weapons of Terror, warning that smuggled nukes cannot be easily detected at U.S. ports. They said our ability to spot nuclear components is way overhyped by our government, and all it takes is one explosion, and history will never be the same again. So I don't know if if this worries you, but you know what? It ought to be a concern for all of us because it is the world in which we live in. But that is only one of our problems. Probably a bigger problem for most of you is the recession that we are in. And even though our government denies a recession, friend, we're in one. You're paying for it every time you pump gas into your vehicle or go into the store to try to buy a gallon of milk. Our crisis right now is with the economy. And I'm pretty sure that all of you understand our U.S. debt is astronomical. Did any of y'all ever study this or look at what the U.S. current U.S. debt is? You can Google it and they've got this running calculator that shows you in real time how this thing is just going up every second. Right now, the current United States debt is over $30 trillion. Now, if you're like me, you know that is a 3-0 with a whole bunch of other O's at the end of it. However many makes up 30 trillion, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of zeros at the end of 30, right? And we can say 30 trillion and and it really not make an impact. It's just a lot of money, big deal, so what? Well, let me just do a what-if scenario. What if our current government said, we're going to take care of that debt and the people who are going to take care of it are American taxpayers. So if all the new employees that IRS has just hired, they go to every home that pays taxes in America and they require you to pay your fair share to take care of the U.S. debt. How much would that be? Well, $30 trillion divided amongst all taxpaying citizens would mean that you would owe the government $244,832. We're in big trouble because I don't have an extra $244,000 laying around to you. And whether your worries be with the economy or with a nuclear war, your worry today might be something very personal and private. It might be a health issue. You know, I've talked to six different people over the last week and a half, and all six of them are experiencing strange physical ailments, strange medical problems, and they trace it all back to either having COVID or having the COVID shot. Now, I'm sick and tired of talking about COVID, but can I tell you, COVID is not over. And you may be experiencing some of those medical issues. What in the world do we do with, how do you react to all of this? What do we do with all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our burdens, all of our concerns, all of our anxieties? How do you cope? What do you do with them? Very simple answer, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. 
Here's the simple answer to that very difficult question. You just cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, you may remember this verse. I preached it last Sunday morning. It was my first verse for my sermon of, of staying positive in a negative world and all the alls that are found in the promises of the Bible. This is the first verse that we read. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. But we didn't exegete it last week. We just read the verse. Today I want to come back and talk about this verse because this is the theme not only of 1 Peter but really of the entire Bible. Here's the message of 1 Peter. We have been born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have a forgiven past. Now let me tell you, it interrupted in the 9 o'clock service when I said that. Because those people realized they, they had their past forgiven. So many sins and failures have been washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, you have something to rejoice about today because God has wiped your slate clean. The precious blood of Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins, of all your iniquities. So we have a forgiven past. We're also awaiting his glorious coming. So we have a forever future. Come on now, a forgiven past, a forever future, but in between, 1 Peter tells us we are pilgrims and sojourners on this earth, therefore, we're going to have a whole lot of problems. So there it is in a nutshell. We have a forgiven past, we have a forever future, but for right now, we've got problems we have to live with. Let me just work you through this in the book of 1 Peter, just a few verses. For example, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, amen? Though for a little while right now, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So the Word of God says exactly what I just said. You've got a forgiven past, you have a forever future, but for right now, you're going to be grieved by the severe trials you have to live with. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this end you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So whether you do good or whether you do bad, you know what? You're going to suffer. That's just part of life. But Jesus has lived through it. Jesus was victorious over it. And he gives us an example of how we should live our lives. I love 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So you know what? You might as well just do the right thing. 
Suffering is coming regardless. You just keep doing the right thing. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, and then also verse number 12 says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Jesus won the battle. Verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. It's not a strange thing. It's just life. So when your world falls apart and you're just burdened down with worry and anxiety and saying, why has this happened to me? Realize you're not alone in that. It's happened to everybody. And if you're not having any real problems right now, well, praise the Lord. Hang on, they're, they're coming. They're right around the corner. That's why he says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So there you have the theme of Peter. He closes the book the same way he opened the book. We have been called and forgiven and saved by Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. And one day we're going to be fully delivered. Praise the Lord for that. We have an excellent past and we have a glorious future. But for right now, we're living in no man's land. For right now, we're living on a battlefield. And every day you are involved in the battle. Every day you're duking it out with the devil. We are living in a hostile territory. And on any given day, we might have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Now, Jason, you didn't come here today to hear this bad news, did you? I'm just telling you life, man. This is the way it is. It's that way for you and it's that way for me. It's that way for all of us. All of us have troubles. All of us have trials. Big question is, what in the world are we to do about it? How in the world can we cope? What technique can we discover to help us deal with all of our worries, all of our anxieties? That is the broad context for 1 Peter 5, 7, which says again, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Would you read that verse with me? Let's read it out loud. One, two, three. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Now say it again. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. What a short, simple verse, but every word in this verse is terrific. It's dynamite, man. It's fantastic. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to exegete. This first, because I think all good preaching has exegesis to it. That means that we look closely at each word that is in the verse. We're going to do that. My goal this morning, my goal is for you to walk out of this place having fully understood what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, and not only understand it, but you're living it. So let's go to work. Let's break it down word by word. What's the first word? Cast. The word means to throw. How many of you can throw? Do this if you can throw. Can you see that my throwing arm is not nearly as good as it used to be? I've got, Scott, Scott knows, I've got this horrible problem in my right. He's been giving me these exercises. Here's the last one. 
Oh, did you hear that? Did y'all hear that? Could you hear that? Really, did you hear that? That's a good thing. When it pops, it's a good thing. I say, whoo, that feels better. Problem is, I just can't throw anymore like I used to. And that, that, the problem right now with, with that, Billy, is that, that every night before we go to bed, JoJo and I play fetch. Now, y'all haven't heard of JoJo's story in a long time. Some of you are new. You don't know who JoJo is. JoJo's my new dog, little puppy, seven months old now, West Highland Terrier, cutest dog in the world. Now, Charlotte Law may disagree with me right now, but <laughs> JoJo is awesome, smart dog. She will play fetch as long as I'm willing to throw. And so here I am, I'm, I'm sitting in, in my chair in the corner of our living room. We got a big opening and then this long hallway. I can remember the day, remember hall, hall ball? So I used to sit in that same chair in Zane when he was a little kid. He would flash down the hallway and in that opening, I would throw the football and he would catch it. It's a game we played, hall ball. And, and my goal was to throw it out there so far, Fred, that he would have to leap for it and jump for it, maybe one hand catch it. And so Zane's long gone now, I get to play fetch with JoJo. <laughs> Hall fetch. And so I can't throw it down that hallway with my throwing arm, so I have to do with my left arm. Throw it with my, or underhanded with it. And I, just, I, I never was a good thrower anyway, but I really have directional problems doing it left-handed. And so I'll hit the wall or hit the plant or hit the TV and Miss Angie gets irritated with me. It doesn't bother JoJo. She just keeps on playing. Y'all know how to throw. Now we're not going on until you tell me, yes, I know what it means to throw something. You know what it means to throw. That's what this word cast means. I'm throwing it. An alternate meaning is this. You remove it from one place and you put it in another place. From one place to another place. So let me ask you, where is your concern right now? Where is your worry right now? Is it swirling in your mind? Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's in your emotions. When you cast your care on the Lord, you are removing it from your mind and putting it on his mind. You're removing it from your heart and you're giving it to the Lord's heart. You're removing it from your emotions and you're giving it to his. The Greek word that Peter uses here only occurs one other time in the New Testament. It's in the story of the triumphal entry when some of our Lord's disciples took their cloaks or their coats and threw them on the back of a donkey as a saddle mat for the Lord to sit on. They held on a heavy coat, they took it off, and they threw it on the donkey. They cast it on the donkey. And so just as the disciples took off their cloaks and placed it on that donkey, so we are to take off our anxieties, our worries, our burdens, and place them on the Lord. We remove them from ourselves and we give them to Him. We're casting. Second word, all. Cast all. I'll never forget when I noticed that word. Years ago, Gary, I was pastoring in Pine Bluff, and I'm telling you what, it was tough in Pine Bluff, buddy. You know, you know that. T tough life, tough ministry. One, one day, I can remember, I was so overwhelmed with, with worries and concerns 
that affected my, my life, my ministry, our church, and so many other people. I, I, I was almost to the point where I couldn't even function. I was so distraught with worry. And I was reading the Bible, and I came across 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, a verse that I've read a hundred times, a thousand times. Cast all your cares on the Lord, and it hit me. I'll never forget when this word hit me. As I was deeply worried about all of these things, and I was reading 1 Peter, I saw that word all. And it struck me like an anvil. We talked about the word all last week, didn't we? Again, I said it's an easy word to exegete. All means all, and that's all all means. It means everything. All means every single worry casted on the Lord without exception. There are no limitations. And so there may be this little thing that to everybody else it's so so trivial. You're, you're almost embarrassed that you're wasting your time worrying about this thing. It's so small. You think, it's so small, I don't even need to give it to the Lord. Bad thinking. All means all. So even if it's a small, trivial issue, the Lord wants you to give it to Him. Or it might be this huge, enormous, gigantic, gigantic is the word I'm looking for. Huge problem beyond your ability to deal with and you're thinking in your head because the devil put it there that's too big for the lord you don't want to give that to god no it's not all means all every one of them don't leave this room this morning with any of your worries give them all to the lord and then it comes to the word your this is where it gets personal it means the unique set of circumstances that is troubling you at this very moment. And you know what? Your worries are your worries. And what might worry you may not concern me one bit. But you know what? They're not my worries. They're your worries. And God cares about you. The things that bother you. So all of your worries, you give to him. And then comes the word care. Cast all your what? Cares. The Greek word here literally means worries or anxieties. Now listen to me. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't have healthy concerns about things because we should have healthy concerns about things. Right now my, my middle daughter Callie took the weekend off. They went from uh, Denver, Colorado up to the... Tetons in Wyoming, and am I worried about her? Well, yeah, because I know her and Michael do crazy things. They climb up crazy mountains. They, they go hiking in crazy areas. Is that a healthy concern that I ought to have for them? Yeah, it is, because it motivates me to pray for them and pray for their safety. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't give prayerful thought to things, because we should. What this is talking about are unhealthy, crippling, dysfunctional anxiety that can tear us down like a building that's being destroyed. One lexicon called it the kind of care or anxiety that brings disruption to the personality and to the mind. It's talking about personality disrupting worries. So let me break it down and say it like this. If it's something that keeps you up at night, it's a worry. It's a care, and yes, you need to give it to the Lord. And then that next word is on, cast your cares on 
That is a preposition that fits our analogy with the donkey. You put them on God. You place them on God. You take them off of your heart and put them on his heart. You take them off of your mind and put them on his mind. You take them out of your emotions and place them on his. And who do you do this to? Him. Cast all your cares on him. Him is God. Look at the immediate context in verses 5 and 6. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety, all your worry, all your care on him, for he cares for you. Him, then, is God. And when we are humbling ourselves before him, we're saying, Lord, I've got this problem that I can't handle, but I know you can. So I am going to humble myself and get out of the way and give this problem to you. There you have it. Cast all your cares on him. Why? This last phrase, because he cares for you. This is the declaration on which the command is given. The command is that we cast our cares on him, and the basis of it is this, God really does care for you. Can I tell you that he does? He cares about you. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you were even born. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knows you now, and he cares for you. Genuinely. He cares for you. The Bible repeats that over and over again. You matter to God. He loves you. He cares for you. There's an old song based on this verse that says, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? And the answer, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights are dreary, I know my Savior cares. Peter knew his readers. He knew that they had been born again and that Jesus was coming again. But in between these two events, he knew that they were going to have to suffer all kinds of grief and all kinds of trials. But here's what he tells them to do. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Amen? You know what, if you're like me, you're wondering, okay, how do I do that? How do we accomplish that? Let me close by by just giving you four easy steps in this process. Because all good preaching has a point of application. Exegesis, illustration, application. Here's the application to this verse. Here's how you put this process into effect in your own life. And we're going to use the word CAST as an acronym. Here's how you do it. You take the C. What does the C mean? You claim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your own. Peter is writing to people who had been, and here's what he said in 1 Peter, born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This verse was written to save people taking advantage of some of the benefits of their salvation. In other words, our salvation comes fully loaded. It comes complete with all the promises that are found in the Bible. 
The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ provide an all-inclusive spiritual and eternal experience. Jesus is all we need. And when we receive him as Savior, he also becomes our all-in-all. In other words, he is all-sufficient for all needs in all circumstances. His death and resurrection prove to us that he cares for us. It proves to us that he can handle our problems. It proves that he has provided a solution to all of our anxieties. All of our burdens, every one of them were nailed to the cross. And all of our cares have disappeared into the mouth of an empty tomb. Hallelujah. That's pretty good preaching right there. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his goodness. He gives us the power to handle life. So in order to access 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all of our cares on him, you need the password. In order to access that promise, you need the password. And the password is Jesus Christ. You claim his death, his resurrection as your own. You receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. And you take him as your Lord. You claim Jesus. And he can handle it. So, C, claim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A, ask. Ask. How do you start this process of casting your cares on the Lord? You just ask him. You, you just sit down and have a conversation with the Lord. and You tell him what your problems are. You, you tell him what you stayed up last night worrying about. You just talk to him about it. I, I really think the biggest problem that you and I as believers have is, is praying. I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's hard to pray. And I think one of the problems is the devil has put in our mind that it is impossible for you, a mortal individual, to pray to a divine entity. And so we just don't do it. We're afraid to do it. We don't know how to do it. I mean, how, 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 do, how do you pray? How do you, how do you talk to the God of the universe, man, about your little problem? Let me turn it around and put it in a different way. I have two wonderful grandchildren. Did y'all know a third is on the way? Whitney and Tyler's going to have a third. But I got two right now. Ella Jane's the oldest. She has uh, an enormous vocabulary for a little kid. Sweetest little voice. And she'll come to me when she's over at my house and say, Poe, I need, and she tells me what she needs. I need a snack. Poe, I need a snack which means she wants some candy. Poe, I need a drink, which means she wants some juice. Poe, I need whatever. Poe, I need. That's all she has to say. And Gary, you know what I'm doing? I'm getting. She says, Poe, I need. Poe's getting. Poe's going to get up and get it for her. Why? Because she's my baby girl. And I love her. And I know she really needs that snack. (laughs) 
Did, did I tell you a few years ago when she told me I was handsome? <laughs> hey, Poe, you're so handsome. She melted my heart right then. Anything that kid wants, she's going to get from Poe. <laughs> but I love her. She's, she's, she belongs to me. She's, she's part of my family. She's, in my, she's my granddaughter. And she might say that to you, I, I, Jason, I need, and I know Jason would get it for her, but he might be busy and have to do something else. You know what? It, Jason, Jason is not Ella Jane's daddy or granddaddy. I am. And so when she asks me, I'm getting it for her. Now, I'm sure there come times when she asks me for something and she really doesn't need it and we have to have that talk, but I'm going to do the best thing for her because I love her. Now, when Ella Jane comes into the living room and I'm sitting there in the chair, she doesn't say this. She doesn't say, Reverend William Harmon. Right, Reverend William leader and feeder of the Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, beloved pastor, friend of many, I beseech you, Brother Will, for a sippy cup. And I'm not trying to be funny, but you know what she says? She says, Poe, I need. That's all she has to say. Don't let the devil feed you the lie that you have to go through all this rigmarole to talk to the Heavenly Father. He is a righteous, holy God, and you need to respect him. But you talk to him as Abba Father. Lord, I got this problem that I just don't know what to do with. It's keeping me up at night. It not only is affecting me, it's affecting my family and my future. And Lord, it's just, it's overwhelming. I am so worried about this. I don't know what to do. Father, please help me. You just ask him. S, you surrender. As you pray, you surrender that problem, that worry to God. You give it to him with permission for him to resolve it however he wants to, however seems best to him, according to his good and perfect will. You just surrender and say, Lord, again, this is bigger than me. I, I've tried to fix this, and I can't, so I'm just giving it to you. It's in your hands. You deal with it as you see fit. Whatever you decide to do, it's okay, because I'm going to back off, Lord. I'm getting in the back seat. I'm giving you the steering wheel. Remember that old song, I Surrender All? That, that might be what you need to do today because you've been trying on your own to fix the problems that are keeping you up at night. And you know what you're doing? You're making them worse because there are some things you can't fix. We need to learn to surrender. Today you need to come and surrender it to the Lord. So we claim the death and resurrection of Jesus. We ask God for help. We surrender our lives to him. And then the T, finally, the T is trust. What does trust mean? Listen to me very closely. Trust means that we begin to act as if everything is going to turn out okay. That's what trust is. We, we start acting 
as if everything is going to be okay. Recently, I was talking to a guy. He told me about this. He's a, he's a big Razorback fan. Any Razorback fans in the room today? Come on, man. They, that was awesome yesterday. What a great victory. Wow. Anybody there? Were any of y'all there? There you go. Good deal. Fantastic. That's, that was a great win. Y'all are a tough crowd, let me tell you this. This guy was a huge, is a huge Razorback fan. He says, you know, Will, sometimes I, I, I get to go to the games when they're in Fayetteville. I love that. If they're traveling, I, I, I watch them at home, and everybody knows, don't, don't mess with me during the game. But he said, sometimes I'm, I'm away and I can't watch the game, and so I'll just record it, okay? And I go home and just watch the whole thing like it's live. And, and I try, if somebody starts talking about, I, no, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happened. But he says, inevitably, somebody sometime will say, oh, those poor Razorbacks. And I mean, there it is right there. Already know they lost. He said, if, if that's the case, I don't, even, I don't even bother to go home and watch the recording. I'll, I'll look up the score and weep and then go on with my life. But on the other hand, if somebody says, wow, do you, Man, did you see that? That was great. What a great victory. Woo, pig suey. Oh, Pittman's really got to go on this year. He knows then, okay, they did win. And he says, I'll go home and I'll watch that game in its entirety without any worries. He said, it might be the fourth quarter, three minutes left, and we're 18 points behind, and the quarterback has been hurt. Oh, no, I'm talking about the Greenwood Northside game now, aren't I? Can I, let me just, can I do a little timeout? I was watching that game. It started late because of, of lightning delays, okay? Greenwood Northside, Greenwood Stadium, Friday night. And I was watching the whole game. Sure enough, our, our starting quarterback got hurt into the first half. I'm a Greenwood guy, okay? He went out of the game. Greenwood got behind, made some mistakes. I think it was 18 points, wasn't it? 18 points behind. It was like five minutes left. Northside just threw a bomb, blew us away. I thought, you know, I got to get up early in the morning. I, I don't want to watch the rest of this. And so I just, I just turned it off and I went to bed. Wes Cantrell sent me a text later that night, and I didn't see it until the next morning. He said, did you see that? That's all he said, did you see that? Well, I responded by saying, yeah, same old, same old thing as last week. You know, they got behind and never were able to come back, and Wes didn't respond. And I thought, hmm, maybe I need to go back and look at that score. And so I went back and I looked at the score, and sure enough, Greenwood made the greatest comeback ever in Arkansas high school football. They came back in three minutes and scored 18 points with a ninth-grade quarterback. It was absolutely amazing. With just seconds on the clock, this ninth-grade kid threw a 50-yard Hail Mary caught by a sophomore in the end zone. Y'all are hard, aren't you? Y'all are Northside fans. That's the problem. You're not saying anything. Let me get back to my story. The guy said, I'll sit there and I'll watch the game knowing the outcome. And it, it might be fourth quarter, 
Three minutes left, 18 points behind, our quarterback's out. But he said, I don't worry about it. I've got a smile on my face because I know the final score. That's what it means to trust in the Lord. We find ourselves hanging by a thread or at the end of a rope or when everything appears collapsing around us. But we act as if God were really in control because we know He is in control. We act as if He had already taken care of our problem because we know in advance He will take care of our problems. We act as if all things are going to work together for the good because we know they will. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to worry. We can op adopt an attitude of hope. We can rest in the assurance that our God reigns. Our hearts and our minds are guarded by the peace of God that passes all understanding. And we don't have to be consumed with cares. That's the meaning of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares on Him because He will sustain you. Cast all your cares on Him because He will never allow the righteous to be moved. Cast all your cares, every single cotton pick and one of them on Him because He cares for you. Now, friend, there is no reason in the world you should walk out of here today with a burden or a worry or something that keeps you up tonight because you can just give them all to the Lord. So let's get to it. Stand up. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray, and then I want you to come. And no, in fact, while I'm praying, why don't you just start making your way down here to the altar, casting your cares on the Lord, giving Him all of your worries. And don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't think, oh, I, I don't want to be the only one coming. Because in reality, we all need to be bringing our cares, don't we? Heavenly Father, help us to do that right now. Help us to cast all of our cares on you today knowing that you care for us. Lord, for that one person here today who's never been saved, they've never been washed in the blood of Jesus, they've, they've never repented of their sins, I pray that today they would come and receive the gift of salvation, that they would find a friend in Jesus. Then, dear Lord, for all of us, may we gather up all our anxieties, all of our worries, all of our cares, all of those things swirling in our mind and just... Lay them at your feet today. Give us victory, dear Lord, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As they sing, why don't you just step out? Come on. Many have already come. Bring your cares and worries to the Lord. Whatever kept you up last night, just bring it to Jesus. Give it to Him. Come on. He's speaking to you. Just bring your worries. Bring your worries and cares to Him. Come on.
with us if you'd like to. What I need you, all I need you, every hour I need you, my wonder things, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you so much today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for 1 Peter 5, 7. I pray, dear Lord, that having fully understood it, we would take it home and flesh it out, that we would cast all of our worries on you. As soon as they come into our mind, I pray, dear Lord, that we would surrender them to you. Help us to live the victorious life you've called us to, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Y'all can be seated. Matt's going to bring up some people here, and I'm going to I'm going to come down the stage. A few years ago, I'd have just jumped off the stage, but I don't want to embarrass you all this morning and have you come pick me up. You know Matt Ortega and his family. These are great people. They, uh, they have a heart for Puerto Rico and the, the work there, and we, we support Pastor Jose and his family as they are building a Free Will Baptist Church in Puerto Rico and also the, the Genesis Academy. And we have Pastor Jose's daughter, Diana, with us. Come over here, girl. You're so beautiful and pretty. She, uh, she has moved to the United States, Oklahoma City, and is attending Randall University. Amen? So proud of Diana. And as, as part of this entire exchange, Miss Diana wants to be a member of Kavanaugh Church because we support her and her family so much. So while she's in this part of the United States, in our region, she's going to be a member of Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. How's that sound to you? Yeah. So you know, you know we have a, a Connect class that we ask people to go through. She's watched all the videos, and we've taken, uh, given her a test, and she's made an A-plus on it. And, all that kind of stuff. So she knows what she's getting into. Church, if you willingly receive Miss Diana into our fellowship and promise to pray for her as she does her studies at Randall University, let her know it with a big amen, amen. and round of applause. Would you do that? God bless you, girl. God bless you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Y'all can be seated. Appreciate that. Glad you were here today. As you walk out, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Certainly appreciate it. This is September. Can you believe it? Yeah. September is here, and we have a power-packed month in September. For example, next Sunday on the 11th, we're going to have our C Group Fair. Okay, C Group, what are you talking about, preacher? We're going to do it on the 11th and the 18th. Here's what's going to happen. The last week of this month, beginning on the 25th, we're going to start our new small groups. Okay, they're going to be called C Groups, Kavanaugh Groups. We've asked several people to host a small group, and so during our ministry fairs, our small group fairs, they're all going to be out in the great hall behind a table with a sign that says who they are, where they're going to meet, and what time they're going to meet. And we want all of you to check them out. It's, it's, it's kind of going to be a, I don't know, a checkout time where they look, they look that, that guy looks pretty cool. I think I might want to be in his C group. And, 
you see when he's going to have his C group because we're going to let the host choose the time and the place. It could either be at their home or up here at the church. And we want all of y'all in a C group. Why? Because we're going to do Bible studies through these C groups. We'll start on the 25th with a new series on our core values. Did y'all notice our core values out here on this big wall? We have seven core values at Kavanaugh. We're going to look at all of those core values. I'll be preaching on them on the Sunday morning sermons, and then during the week, our C groups will dig a little deeper into each one of the core values. So on the 11th and 18th, all of our hosts are going to be out there. We want you to sign up and get involved in a C group. All right, cool. Half of you, maybe a third of you. How about half of you? Come on. How about everybody? There you go. Okay. Johnny Momentum's building. It's slow, but it's, it's, it's building. On the 18th, it's back to church Sunday. So not only are we going to do the, the C group fair, but we're having a, a back to church bash that day. Back to church bash. Sunday morning, both services, we're going to baptize. If you have never been baptized and need to be baptized, see one of the pastors. We'll sign you up. Can't wait to dunk you, man. I love dunking people in the baptistry. (laughs) That night on the 18th, we're going to come back up here from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock and have our back-to-church bash. Hamburgers, hot dogs, sodas, waters, popcorn, snow cones, cotton candy. Man, Dad, I know you're excited. When I said free, my dad was on board with that. That's a all it took for him. We're going to have inflatable games for the kids. We're going to have great things for you adults to do. There will be an activity that you have to throw something, but it's not overhand, it's underhand, so we can all do it, all right? How's that sound? Going to be a great time. Invite your family and friends. That's the 18th, and then again on the 25th, we start our new series, Core Values and C Groups. We have a great big inflatable ski ball. Really? Really? big. With Brother Johnny, everything is big. It's going to be big, isn't it? It's going to be fantastic. So look forward to that. You know what? Hope you have a great day. God bless you. Stay out of trouble. Uh, Brother James, where's Brother James Caulfield is here. He's, he's my buddy, pastors in Cushing, Oklahoma. How long you been in Cushing, buddy? 15 years. Great pastor. Stand up for us. Stand up, Brother James. Turn, turn around. And show. Now that's a beard right there, guys. <laughs> But you've trimmed it, haven't you? You've cut it back a little bit because it used to be a lot longer than that. James, would you stand back up and dismiss us and ask God's blessing on this church? Thank you, buddy. Amen. God bless you. Take care.